It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. JT, welcome back. It is our final hour of the week. We're thrilled about that. Get some holiday shopping in. Some Christmas shopping in after the show here. And then tonight I'm on the radio from Mad Dog Sports Radio from 3 to 6 p.m. And you can also catch me tomorrow at M with Eric Allen as we're excited about that pregame show for the Raiders on the road. That's our last one at M Resort because the final two games are at home. So I figure I kick off this hour thanking M Resort for everything they've done for us this year. They've been fantastic, a proud partner here, and we'll be out there again tomorrow. Before we get to my conversation with head coach Josh McDaniels, couple things on this game. Today being the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, I recommend everybody go to the Raiders YouTube channel. Go to Raiders YouTube, and you know how big YouTube's getting now. They're going to have the NFL Sunday ticket. So get accustomed to YouTube, and if you haven't been to the Raiders channel, I think you're going to love it. They have that 50th anniversary, their version of the Immaculate Reception. It was done really well. Fantastic. I've watched it twice, and it gets better every time, so I think you're going to love that. And uh, keep Franco Harris in your hearts today because today was his special day. It was going to start off in Pittsburgh, heading into the game on Saturday night with his retirement of his jersey. Phil Villapiano was absolutely amazing on the show, and you can hear that interview at Raiders.com. And it was an important one for Phil, who I've been texting with today. And is back there with Franco's family with a heavy heart. Raiders got to win this game, everybody, period. It's a must win. If you've been listening all year long, I haven't used that term much until it became an elimination game. And it was an elimination game against New England. And they were able to win that game in dramatic fashion. We've talked all year about the Raiders not being able to sustain momentum. After something good happens, something really bad happens this year. The shutouts, the, the the ability not to extend the lead to have a lead and to blow the lead, whatever it is. And that Baker Mayfield game, if that didn't happen and it never should have, the Raiders would be on a five-game winning streak, and I think going for six. So that one game kind of put them back, but they had the Chandler Jones finish, and now they have to be exceptional in this game. I've been telling you, I told you in the first hour, it's dramatic how much better the Raiders are than the Steelers statistically. It's dramatic. The weather is brutal, as Lincoln Kennedy tweeted out or put on his Facebook page. It's going to be ice cold. It's going to be uncomfortable, but the Raiders have to win. I don't know how they're going to pass, but I have confidence that Derek will do it. they got to play faster in this game. If they're trailing, the season is on the line. All hands on deck. They have to play hard-nosed, physical, and exciting football. All right, we've seen all the different types of Raider football this year. The good, the bad, and the ugly. This needs to be great. It has to be, and all those players have to rise to the occasion. 
I think they will. I like the Raiders in this game. They're the better team. They have to show up fast, hungry, and take that crowd out of the game because that's going to be one of the most intense crowds these young players and veterans have ever played in front of. Yesterday, I sat down with the head coach of the Raiders, Josh McDaniels. Here's our conversation. We welcome in head coach Josh McDaniels and coach since we sat here last week. What's it been like? The most miraculous win, one of the most iconic plays of all time, and you were on the winning end of it. Yeah, it felt good to be on the winning end yeah. uh, of one of those. Um, you know, I think I, I give our team a lot of credit for being in that position. Um, you know, we, we kind of got off to a decent start, and then it was like we thought it would be. It was an adjustment game, and it was hard fought. It wasn't always pretty. Um, but, you know, we, we clawed back in it, tied the game, gave ourselves an opportunity, whether it was going to overtime or not. And, um, and then I think we were just, you know, there was some good fortune involved there. Um, but Chandler took advantage of a mistake that was made and um, happy it went in our favor. What was the point of emphasis this week with the penalties and having a big lead? Yep. We've been talking about that all year. What was the message to the players? Yeah, it's hard to win if, you, if you're hurting yourself, you yeah. know, and so – uh, we had six pre-snap penalties, which at home, it just, you know, we've played on the road in really, um, you know, Kansas City, Seattle, those, and have, have gone penalty-free, basically, uh, offensively in terms of those things. So that's just a focus, concentration, uh, execution, part of our offense, part of our game, and uh, we need to get back to being a clean football team pre-snap. So before the cold touchdown and obviously Chandler's unbelievable play, that doesn't happen unless fourth and ten yeah. is executed. I want to spend time on that play because I'm sitting there watching it going, this has got to be a big, mm-hmm. high-percentage play, and Derek nailed it. Yeah, he did. And, you know, we, we, we had good execution across the board on that play. The offensive line gave him some time. Um, Mac did a really good job of pressing his route so that when he came back to the ball, he wasn't short of the first down, which sometimes can happen. So um, he did a great job of, of running a really precise route on the left, and uh, Derek made a good read. And uh, that was the soft spot in the zone coverage that they were playing and gave us an opportunity, and we capitalized on it. Darren and Hunter, looking back at the tape, how'd they do with protection, blocking, running their routes? Yep. Obviously, Darren had a big touchdown. Yeah, he did, and he made a great read on the play. Um, you know, he did a really good job. They didn't play a ton of man coverage, but that play, they happened to do that. And, um, you know, he beat Phillips pretty quickly and, and just made a really good read and good play. And, um, you know, had a big catch in the two-minute drive at the end, too, on a seam. And uh, Hunter, big third down catch there in the third quarter. And then did a really good job of handling the ball in the punting game and then getting the ball up the field. Really got us the first first down of the drive most of the time in the punt return game. So it was good to have him back there. Um, now both of them are kind of back in the swing. Uh, I think they got their legs underneath them. And uh, hopefully we can resume kind of normal procedure here going forward. During your victory speeches, you're always talking about 60 minutes, physical and 60 minutes. Yeah. It's been the trend this year. These games coming right down to the wire, the cardio of this team, yeah. the focus and the way they can finish late. Let's touch on that. Yeah, I mean, most games in the league are decided in the fourth quarter. And, and obviously our, you know, you look at our season and basically everyone but one or two have been decided in the last few minutes of the game. So, um, it takes obviously good conditioning. I think our strength staff does a good job of really preparing our guys all year and during the course of the season. I think our guys deserve a lot of credit for recovery and getting themselves ready to play those difficult games and situations. And I, it's really it's a me- about mental toughness too, because to be able to sit there and, and endure the adversities that in, in or, you know inevitably come along with an NFL game. You know we have the lead, we lose the lead, we tie the game, we come back. 
you know, you got to be able to hang in there mentally, too. And I give our guys a lot of credit for that. As we get to the Steelers, the passing of Franco Harris was so hard, especially within this organization. You know how many alumni are in this building who played against him. And Phil Villapiano was on his way to go see him for this game and a bunch of ceremonies there. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's a historic figure in the National Football League, uh, a great human being, uh, a Hall of Famer, uh, an iconic player organization and, and in, uh, in the history of our rivalry with them so um, I know he's going to get his number retired Friday and uh, obviously the ceremony to to celebrate the immaculate reception so um, you know it's a it's a loss for obviously the, the Steeler organization the National Football League um, he was a great ambassador uh, to our game and um, I think that's the way he'll be remembered as a great human being great football player um, a huge part of their uh, their organization. Let's get to Mike Tomlin. Wow, you've had some battles against him over yeah. the years. Yep. Tell us about his style of coaching. Yeah, Mike's a great coach and a great person and always has his team ready to go. You know one thing when you're going into Pittsburgh to play them, uh, they're going to be prepared and you're going to need to play physical. And uh, they're going to challenge your toughness. Uh, they're going to challenge your, your, your preparation. Um, situationally, they're very good. They play really good in the kicking game. Um, it's hard. They don't beat themselves. So, you know, you have to go in there and do a lot of the right things, and you have to do it for 60 minutes. And uh, that's I, w- I would expect this game to come down to the fourth quarter. Uh, it's definitely going to be uh, a game that we're trying to battle for control of the line of scrimmage. Um, that's the way they win their games. When they win, they win their line of scrimmage on both sides. And, uh, you know, we know we're going to have to deal with that all game. When you looked at Kenny Pickett coming out of pit and you saw the tape and now you're seeing the evolution of him, what do you see? Yeah, he's a good. He's a solid player. He was a good player in college. Uh, you can tell he's going to be a good player for them. Uh, there was a great selection that they made, and um, you can see his maturation as the season has gone on. Um, less, you know, rattled, uh, very calm and poised in the pocket. Uses his legs wisely to make extra plays, and uh, he can run with the football. But operating their offense efficiently, uh, does the right things, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. So, um, you know, he's he's going to be a good football player in this league for a while. Najee Harris doesn't have the stats of Josh, but he's a similar type of player, which was interesting yeah. comparing him. What do you see with him coming yeah, into this? Really physical. Yeah. Um, big guy, hard to tackle. This is going to be a player that we're going to need to get as many hats to the ball as we can. Um, he is a punishing runner, and if he has one-on-one type situations, he's not much interested in trying to run around you. Uh, he'll try to go through you. So uh, our players have seen that. Uh, I think they have a lot of respect for his run style, how physical and tough he is, and uh, he fits their organization and the way they play perfectly, and uh, he'll be a big challenge for us on Saturday night. One more thing about your offensive line. You've asked a lot of them this year, obviously, who's going to play where, when, next man up, practice squad. How do you feel about their overall mental ability to come into this game and dominate a cold-weather game? Yeah, I mean, we're going to need them. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think they have confidence, uh, and deservedly so. They've, uh, they've helped J.J. You know, really do a great job of running the football all year. Um, they've kept Derek clean for the most part you know, during the course of the season. And, um, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to play a big role in this football game one way or the other. And um, there's no fair dodge in this front. You know, their strength of their defense is right there in the front, and uh, we're going to need to meet the challenge head on. Coach, your message to the Raider Nation over the holidays. Happy holidays. Um, you know, wish them all the best. Uh, the support that we get is unmatched, um, clearly, and we expect to see some Raider fans on Christmas Eve in Pittsburgh. Good luck, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate the head coach. When we come back, Raiders replay. I think you're really going to enjoy, uh, enjoy this one. The great George Atkinson joined me, plus Q Myers, as not only did we look back at the New England win, 
but we checked in on the Pittsburgh Steelers and all the hype behind the immaculate reception and took a look at what it's going to take for the silver and black to win. Right here, happy holidays, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. I appreciate all of you. Have a great holiday with your friends and family from all of us on Raider Nation Radio. seconds after he crossed the goal line this bothered him and 50 years later nobody knows what the hell happened Frenchy came into the locker room he said I hit that I hit it oh hit me what happened after that is truly immaculate I hear footsteps I said to myself damn that's Tatum I didn't know it going joint and down the sideline They say, we don't know what happened. I said, I know you don't know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. This place would erupt into a riot if they were to disallow the touchdown. Jack not Fuquat is forward. In two Exactly. Bang. There it is. Right Ooh. there. That angle tells you exactly yeah. what happened. I call it the immaculate deception. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. A very special guest, dear to me, the legend George Atkinson. Fifty years later, the immaculate reception. And George, first, thanks for doing this. I got to assume it hurts just as much today, almost 50 years later, than it was back in the day when you were on the field. You know, 50 years ago, I never would have thought that this would still be a fire lit in me, you know. When I say that, it's memories that you never forget. And I think it was the greatest game I've ever played in. It was a defensive battle, and uh, we were up 7-6. Only one touchdown in the game, and a lot of plays I still remember. What amazes me about all the Hall of Famers in this game, the list is incredible. So at that time, you can't look into the future 30 years, 20 years to think of the players. Let's begin with that. Your teammates and then the opponents, I still think that is the greatest era in the history of the NFL. As you look at that list with your teammates from Gene Upshaw to Jim Otto, Willie Brown, Art Shell, these are some of the best friends of your life and greatest teammates. And then on the other side, you look at the Steelers, Joe Green and the Steel Curtain, Franco, Mel Blunt, who you know well, and the great Terry Bradshaw, the players in the game. Let's begin with that. Oh, man, hey, interesting. You know, I look at that list and – Man, it's a who's who in football. Yes. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the, the talent that was on the field that day 50 years ago. And, you, you know, like you say, uh, when you're going through it, you never would think that this would be a part of your life forever. You know, and, and it has been. As we previewed the documentary, and what a great job by everybody involved in this. What I thought was interesting when they said, and Freddie said, they switched off where you played that game. You had the better record. 
That game nowadays would have been played in Oakland. You got to go play that game in Pittsburgh, and you think about the rivalry and the cold and the calendar where it is. And French even said for them it was buckle up week. You had to know going into that game this was maybe going to be the toughest, most physical game of your life. Well, whenever we play Pittsburgh, it just kept getting better and better because neither one of us wanted to lose, and we didn't like each other. And you know, we we were a challenge for each other in the conference. So. Every time we played them that I can remember, it was epic. And we had some epic battles. Uh, we had some great, great rivalries. And like you said, with those names that were up there, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, all those guys on the field at the same time playing. Was it about intimidation, physical play? Uh, yeah. Did you think you could intimidate them? You had an edge yeah. over the Steelers but back it, then? It wasn't about thinking. You had to do it. If you set out to intimidate, you better intimidate because if not, you're going to get intimidated. You had to back it up. You had to back it up. So it was always, I mean, and, and two good football teams. You know, you can't take a thing from Pittsburgh as, as being one of the greatest teams, you know, in the NFL. And we were, too. And we both won Super Bowls, and we met each other a couple, three times for the Super Bowl. They won two. We won one. But that particular game, as I said, Sticks with me of all the all of all the games that we played against Pittsburgh, that game never left me, and I still have remnants of plays, and I can go back and almost tell you exactly what happened when. It's it's amazing. Well, let's look back at the game because okay. I knew this when I looked at the documentary and watched it as we previewed it. Zero zero at the half. Mm-hmm. That can't happen anymore in this league because no. it's a high flying league, right? Exactly. Zero zero. What do you remember about halftime going into the locker room? No score because LaMonica starts. Right. We'll get the snake later. What are you thinking in this game knowing it's no uh, score we at halftime? We were in a dogfight. Right. You know, we were in a dogfight. And hey, mentally and physically, you had to be up to par. Because, I mean, when you're playing Pittsburgh, it's a physical game. And they had a physical offense. We had a physical defense. So from a defensive perspective, and what I, what I remember is that every play meant something. So yardage was valuable. And we didn't want to give up none. And they were trying to get yardage. So it was two objects. <laughs> Colliding. Colliding. Well, it said in the documentary, 0-0 at the half, and we saw that you were keying on Franco, the game plan. So when you go back to that game plan and you think about, was it stopping the run? Because Bradshaw is a hell of a player there, but before they have their legendary receivers, was that the strength of that team? You had to take Franco and limit him in that game as Franco's The offense went through Franco. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So definitely, we had to we had to cut off that that off tackle play that they they ran a lot, and we had to we had to make sure nothing up the middle. So and he was big back, he would wear on you, and as time goes on, they they knew where their bread and butter was. Like I said, the game plan went through Frank Franco, and they featured him uh, during that during that year. Now, Daryl LaMonica was a great player, a legendary Raider. He comes out of this game because the Steelers get two field goals, one with 9.52 to go in the third, one that made it 6 nothing, 3.50 to go in the third, then the decision to go to Snake. And then Snake, who was a great friend of yours and a great teammate, has the greatest run of his life. And that goes back. He had the mud run in Alabama. He only had a few, but that run was beautiful as he came around the edge. And what were you thinking when Snake scored and crossed oh, the I goal line? He, I knew he would score. Snake and I came in the league together. Yes. And the reason he had the name Snake 
is because when he was at Alabama, he was a hell of a runner. You know, Snake could run the yep. football. So, he's, you know, his leg was bad, but he still had instincts uh, to get to the end zone. And, yeah, you're right. Uh, when he came in, actually it kind of lit a fire up under us. And uh, when he scored, and our defense has said, hey, they're not going to get on the board. We're not going to let them score a touchdown today. And we, we didn't until the immaculate deception. And Stabler scores 30 yards to make it 7-6 with 1.17 to go. So this is not three minutes where they could have a drive. They had a score pretty quickly here. So let's get to the play. Let's take a look at this play, as you call it, the immaculate deception. Let's roll on this and see what happens. So as Bradshaw goes back, the pass rush, George, right there is real strong. Yeah, Tony Klein had a great shot at him, and uh, he missed him. As Franco's going down the sideline, let's talk about Phil Villapiano. Phil said, and he's had so many hours on NFL Network with NFL Films, that he had an angle to get him and he was clipped. He was. Let's talk about that. You think Phil would have got to him? Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he had a good angle. And he was clipped. And you may see it on, on this tape right here. That's Horace Jones. 82. What a pass rush. You had yeah. three guys near him. Yeah. All right, let's go to the play here with Frenchie and Jack and pick it up. And what you saw initially right there as we freeze it, and it comes out of that. With Fuku's hand in the, the hit-by-tack. Right there, yeah, right there. That's, that's, that's the Phil. clip, yeah. You know, I was on the other side of the field, and I saw Jack knock Fuqua into the ball. And the ball ricocheted, I thought, off of his helmet mm-hmm. uh, into the hands of uh, Franco. And it was questionable whether the ball touched the ground or not before Franco caught it. Yes, and on that play, so you guys all contend because you were there and you saw it, that mm-hmm. Frenchie's hands, both hands were going to the ball. So the hand hit the ball first as Jack got to Frenchie. And the fact that he hit the ball with his hands, it's a double tap. Uh, there was a rule during, uh, during that time that two offensive players couldn't touch the ball on Correct. the same play. And that's what the controversy was about. Uh, Jack knocked Fuqua, like I said, from the angle I had, which was a cross field. Jack knocked Fuqua into the ball, and I thought it hit his helmet. It may have touched his hands. I, I, I'm not certain, but I did see it ricochet off of his helmet. No doubt about that. So, yeah. Frenchie, when you see Frenchie and you see the preview and Frenchie's going to say he's going to take it to his grave, <laughs> the relationship of – it was very cool to see the relationship of Raymond Chester and Frenchie and you guys. Yeah, they went to college Frenchie. together. Right, right. Yeah. When, you, when you got him on the phone still to this day and the banter that goes uh, back and forth. Definitely. I mean, you know, hey, we were all in the game together and during the off-seasons – you, you you hang with guys, certain guys. Uh, during the season, bets off. <laughs> so after that play happens, you're on the field, uh-huh. as you call it, the immaculate deception. You're there, and then chaos ensues. And you've never seen anything like this. And fans, walk me through the fans lining up in the concourse to come down on the field as this long delay begins. Look, they came down on the field. They were, I mean, all over the field. And there was a dugout there. You know, the the Pirates, I think, played in the stadium. And the officials went into the dugout. And a lot of us got down to the dugout to see what was going on. There was no instant replay there at that time. The NFL hadn't hadn't installed it, so we're standing there waiting. And one of the officials said, "Is there enough security here?" 
And you were to there that for that. Effect. You were so, there for that. That's Uncle Sal was moment. there. I was there. Tatum was there. And a couple of other guys. And uh, that came out of the dugout. Referee went to the middle of the field. Touchdown. So I, they must have, I, I didn't hear the answer, but evidently they told him not enough security. And it was a security issue, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. It was that much insanity that wouldn't happen. And the fans were, I mean, they were all over us. Now, we, we saw the video of Mr. Davis and what he wanted to do upstairs, but you're there with your coach, John Madden, mm-hmm. and all the times you were with Coach Madden during a game, take me back in your mind of how vocal he was. He was trying to end this game with, with, by telling the refs what he knew. It seemed like John Madden was the only guy down there who knew the rule who was right. trying to tell that yeah. to the refs. Tell us well, about that. Well, you know, he was, he was talking to them about the double – the double touch. Right. Off two offensive players, and Jack knocked Fuqua into the ball, which now all bets are off for offensive players. But Franco caught it and ran it in. Well, John's contention was it, it was not allowable yeah. because two offensive players touched the ball. And um, it was evident that the officials didn't know what was going on. Uh, for them to go into the huddle and, and the dugout, to confer, not only for security, but to also talk about the play. And when they came out with the touchdown, it was obvious. I mean, it took too long for one thing. Like I said, it wasn't no instant replay, so they didn't have nothing to, sh- to replay it, to show it. So quite naturally, John is going to defend his rights, and his rights were that, hey, the game's over. One of the most intense looks that I've seen is our friend and your former teammate, Pete Banizak. The look of yeah. amazement. And yeah. Freddie walking away. And so did it did you sense <laughs> that the longer this took We you were, were coming out on the short end. You were gonna come out on the short end exactly. the longer it took. The longer it took. And we knew this. So uh when they signal touchdown, I mean it was like, you know, your heart had already dropped. You know, by that time. You were anticipating that it was going to go the wrong way. We were hoping that it would go the right way, which would be no touchdown. Right. And uh, it didn't. So uh, it's it's a feeling that that you experience that you cannot explain to anyone, but it's, it's a deep feeling and it leaves a lasting memory. I've never asked you this. Jack Tatum was not only your great teammate, but like a brother to you. What were your memories of Jack in the locker room? Because we hear about the silence. You could hear a pin drop. It takes you a while to get out of your uniform. What, what do you and Jack say at some point in the locker room? I don't remember saying, talking to anyone for a while. Wow. Uh, I mean, uh, I can't tell you because I, I was in my own self and my own world at that point of shock. Basically, you know, we played hard, man. Yeah, yeah. That was a high fort game, and we gave it 100%, and we held them scoreless, like we said. Our goal was to not let them in the end zone. That's what our, our goal was during the week. They would not score on us, and they didn't until the immaculate deception. Well, we heard also you come back, and you, by the time you land after that game, it's Christmas Eve, you're back in Oakland, and what was that like the next day or two, the closure of a season on top of a game like still, that? Still stunned. Still stunned. You know, I think Jack and I may have talked the day after mm. with uh, just the words, can you believe this? You know, and uh, – I guess the only satisfaction that comes out of this is that the next week Miami beat them. 
Yes. And uh, I think that's the only satisfaction that comes out of that. We like think we softened them up for Miami. Now, this is you. This is George Atkinson on his own saying immaculate deception. Right. And everybody who was there, that has stayed. That's part of your legacy and what people remember of all the great George Atkinson moments. And we have the list of all the famous Raider games we were looking at <laughs> from all the games. The Heidi game, Sea of Hands, the Immaculate uh, Reception, Sugar Bear Hamilton, uh, Ghost to the Post. You're in all these was, great all main games. games. Exactly. But when you said immaculate deception, did you realize that that would stay with you and Raider fans would come up to you and airports and at the field and talk about this 50 years later. I know. I know. No, I didn't. I just called it like I saw it. Yeah. I mean, hey, it was natural because it was deception. You know, we were deceived and uh, the fans were deceived and uh, it, it, was, it was just natural. It just came out. Jack and I were talking one day and it just came out. What do you remember about Mr. Davis after that offseason and you guys knew you were close. That could have been a Super Bowl and you get to Super Bowl Eleven. there's still a lot of time between that game, the Immaculate Reception game, to your first Super Bowl, your Super Bowl with the team. Was that what fueled you in the offseason and years to come? you, you got to remember that the Raiders were in seven championship games when I played and one before I played. So they had played in eight yeah. championship games. So we were, and I played in those seven. The only one I didn't play in was the Super Bowl year before I got mm-hmm. there. And each year we were dedicated to winning. First win the division, then the conference, and get to the Super Bowl. And we always thought we were a Super Bowl team. And we had always said that if we ever got into the Super Bowl, we would win it because we didn't think a team in the NFC could beat us. And whenever we played NFC teams, if you look back during that time, we pretty much dominated it. That's a really good point. I want to I stop you for a second. You really felt like the AFC championship was the Super Bowl. Oh, Th- Those are clearly the best two teams. Without a doubt. And the winner of that game just had to take care of business without, in the Super that's Bowl. That's it. That's it. And uh, so, uh, you know, each year we rededicated ourselves. We always thought going into every season that we were the best team. It, no doubt. You know, we were the best team. And in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. In order to be the best, you got to prepare to be the best. And we did that. We prepared. Our preparation for games were intense. The hardest games I played were in practice when we practiced against my offense. As we wrap this up, that was the toughest game you ever played in. Most physical, toughest game, and you won a Super Bowl and played in all those other big games. Right. That's what stays with you. I know about the immaculate deception yeah. and the way they look, but you remember, which I love about you, the physicality oh, yeah. and how you wanted to hold them to no touchdowns. No touchdowns. That stays with That's you. That's how, hey, I, I, we didn't believe teams should score on us. Yeah. You know? You proved that. That is airing tonight, the immaculate reception watch on raiders.com on yeah well that's the way you call it <laughs> <laughs> call it the immaculate reception raiders at steelers you can watch that at raiders.com or raiders youtube December 20th, 2022, 7 p.m. Pacific. We've had a lot of conversations you and I over the yes, years. Yes, we have. You're the reason why I'm in the studio. You know that. I really appreciate you. Well, hey man, you deserve it. <laughs> well, you you telling us about what this meant means everything to us. We'll continue more on the conversation, the anniversary, and the Raiders win. How about that win with Chandler Jones right here on Raiders Roundtable?
Spotify. Welcome back to the special edition of Raiders Roundtable. Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy Hanukkah. We'll see you before the New Year's. More of Raiders Roundtable from earlier this week. Okay, I'm just telling you, we've been talking about 60 minutes all year long. I don't know that this was the most disciplined effort we've had, but I know this, nobody can argue with how, how, how much we fight. There's no way you can argue with the effort and the character of the people in this locker room, okay? And that's why we won, all right? Where's Chandler Jones? We just keep fighting, right? Don't worry about everybody else. Don't look at the other scores, all that nonsense. Somebody will tell us when it's time to be done, okay? All we got to do is control our business, okay? Here we go, here we go, here we go. Hey, Raiders on three. One, two, three. Welcome into a special edition of Raiders Roundtable brought to you by America First Credit Union. I'm JT. There's Q Myers and George Atkinson's going to join us on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. I can't wait for that. But Q, you just saw that celebration. Yeah. That was real. I think we'll get to the play, but that was one of the most fascinating finishes I've ever seen in my life in any sport, and it happened at Allegiant Stadium. No doubt, and that's all I kept saying to myself watching the the, the way that that game unfolded. I said, no matter what sport it is that I've covered and have been blessed to have been able to cover a lot of different sports, I've never seen a game finish like that and just to have the wherewithal to see how Chandler Jones was able to you know get back into the play and make himself a a factor in the play and then ultimately end the game it was just amazing what I thought was critical is we talked about it all week it was a must win if they lose they're eliminated they're not eliminated that's the big picture no matter how the game was won Mm -hmm. what type of game rushing yards passing yards Chandler Jones makes a play or not they had to win the game right and I built it up on the radio like you did I thought this was the game I had circled they had to play great, they had to win, they had a big lead again, yeah. and they squandered that league and were trailing late in the game and really needed a miracle comeback to win it. They did. It felt like it was about to be another one of those, oh, here we go again yes. type moments, right? I mean, they're up 17-3 at halftime, and you knew that Belichick was going to go into the locker room, make some adjustments, and to their credit, they did, right? They come out of the locker room, they get the pick six immediately, and all of a sudden you know, look out, game on, right? And then it, it got real hairy there, but to the Raiders' credit, they were able to, you know, weather the storm and find a way to battle back and Derek made some big throws down the stretch Keelan Cole who doesn't get a lot of action mm-hmm. again came up with another big catch including the the touchdown uh, that allowed to the game to be tied and then Chandler Jones ends the game with the walk off it was incredible I also think another big point it was the return of Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro yep. Waller had a touchdown Renfro had a big catch and they needed to work them in. I didn't think they need a lot of time to get worked in. you got to put, put those guys in the game. They're right. superstars in this league. But they played a role in this game along with a lot of other role players. I mean, how about Matt Collins and all the catches he made? Right. Derek was locked into him down the stretch in that game. Was that a surprise to you? A little bit. But then, you know, if you go back and think about it throughout the course of the year, he's been comfortable with Hollins, yes, right? Yes. And he doesn't throw the ball unless he's comfortable with you. And to Matt Collins' credit, he has been a target a lot throughout the course of the year. So there's something about Matt Collins that Derek's very comfortable with, and I mean, good for them. They needed every catch from every one of the guys that they got contributions from. I thought the defense played well. 
well. It, yeah. They did play well. They had a 17-3 to lead, but then the Belichick team, the team that we knew with the coaches, would mm-hmm. start chipping away. Mac Jones made a couple of plays. They made it in the running game, and I thought there were some breakdowns yeah. with the Raiders at the point of attack. I don't think they got to the ball in the second half with the gang tackling like we talked about leading up to the game. No doubt, and that's something that they're going to have to work on this week mm-hmm. on a short week headed to Pittsburgh because you know the Steelers are going to want to run the Rockets. Absolutely. So for the defense, that was a disappointment that they were able to get gashed so much on the ground. But, you know, to, uh, the, I guess, the detriment of the Patriots, they decided at times, you know what, we're running the ball really well. Let's go away from it. We just showed the Waller touchdown. A really big point of emphasis I wanted to make is he was wide open. He had about a four, four-and-a-half-yard yeah. lead on that. The Cole catch, he caught it in the back of the end zone, which means he got behind the defender. Mm-hmm. I want to see this team throw deeper more often. How many times have we sat here and yeah. talked about the bombs to Devontae uh, even Holland's missing him. It's on his fingertips. I right think there. the Raiders need to attack over the top a little bit more, only because, Q, I think it's open. I agree. I agree. And they've been getting behind the defenders, and they do need to attack down the field. And a lot of times, you know, I get worried about the offensive line, if they're going to be able to hold up, because mm-hmm. you have to allow that play to develop. With a couple of their guys going down, you have to see how they do throughout the course of the week as far as practice goes and if they're able to get back. But, yeah, they have guys that are open, and they're just missing. I mean, there was a couple opportunities on Sunday for Hollins to have a couple big plays that just didn't develop. All week long, we were talking leading up to it and after it here on the short week as they play on Christmas Eve that the Patriots were struggling with their offense. Mac Jones, he regressed because of Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels isn't there anymore. When you look at what's happening with them, they're in a tough spot overall, and they really struggle moving the ball downfield, but they made a couple of plays to move the chains here. I thought the Raiders were playing more of a bend-don't-break defense in the second half of that game, but fortunately... They hung around, and it gave Derek the opportunity on that final drive. No surprise once again. When you're out of timeouts and you got to play fast, it just seems like they play better. Stops thinking. They yeah. stop thinking and then just go out and play, and that's what we always talk about. A thinking man is a slow man, and so if the Raiders could find a way to get Derek into a mode where he's not thinking at all throughout the course of the game, or even the players, because, again, they just go out and they're running their routes. They know where they have to get. Big fourth down play. They come up with the big first down where you thought that it's over, light, lights out, you know, and then all of a sudden Derek makes a nice throw to Hollins again, picks up a first down, extends the drive, and there you go. I mean, these guys just go out there when they don't have to think about it. They just go out there and play. Well, you've seen it here on the B-roll, and we'll talk more about it. I thought the most critical play of the game, nothing happens with Chandler Jones, nothing happens with Keelan Cole, unless on fourth and ten he hits Hollins on the sideline. If he doesn't hit him and the ball's deflected, it's a bad throw, if God forbid he drops it Mm -hmm. and Devontae didn't get that touch – Yep. We're having a different conversation here, and you're in the locker room after right. the game. What are you saying if he doesn't make that play? Once that play was made, I think it took all the pressure off. Mm-hmm. A new set of downs, here we go again. Very in a bizarre way like Baker Mayfield. In the loss to Baker right. Mayfield, he got that first first down, mm-hmm. then there were some mistakes, and then he played free. I thought Derek, after that fourth and ten completion, just attacked and went downfield. I love the way they played. You know, I think that Raider Nation sensed that as well. You're at Allegiant Stadium. I'm at Allegiant Stadium on that fourth and and 10, I think there was that uneasy feeling. It felt like the, the energy in the building was, you know, that, uh-oh, this game is about to be a wrap. Right here, look at this play as he breaks through. Yeah. It looked like that was going. And there yeah. were fans that looked Started around there and said, here it is. Yep. This is the way. This is the elimination play. And yep. then they go for two Q here, as you see, and they get it easy. Easy. Yeah, easy. they picked it up really easy. And that's something that shouldn't happen, but it did happen. And, again, to the Raiders' credit, they did not quit. And the defense got the ball back and gave them another opportunity. Well, as you see there, that's the Hollins play. And then mm-hmm. Derek's at the own 30, thought another critical play. Look, he goes back to him. When you're going back to him, there is a level of comfort there as we're taking a look. 
Look at the video here. Look at Derek stand, standing strong. Great throw down the middle to Waller. Mm-hmm. That was huge. I think that set up the shot that they could take a shot at the end zone. And then a play that's going to go down in Raider history as Cole double taps, gets his feet in, and then the delay happened. <laughs> right. And you're up in the press right. box. I'm with my family in <laughs> my seats. And I looked at it again. The cleats are white on the top, and there is black on the bottom. Yep. And everybody's wondering what kicked up there. Was it the white or the black mm-hmm. that kicked up? What were you thinking at that point as it kept going on and on and on for well, this delay? I'll tell you. What when I saw the replay, I thought, okay, his foot was out. It looked like it felt like his foot was out, but uh, I always said, thank goodness for the white and black cleats there because the black kind of blended in with the end zone as well. So there was no kind of evidence right. to prove that it was out. And you know, again, you saw pellets pop up as well. So yeah. I felt like, you know what, there's a chance his foot was in. And then here comes the lateral here, and one of the more reckless plays <laughs> ever. Chandler Jones gets it. The get out of my way play, right? Just stiff arms, Mac yeah. Jones, and then look at him celebrating coming into the end zone. Q, you were up in the press box there for that too, and you've been in there a bunch. You're still a young guy. You're going to go to a lot of games in your career. That must have been some moment. It was. It was. It was one that I've never seen ever before. And you know how it is in the press box. You have to be real calm and quiet. Yeah. There's no cheering or anything. I don't know who the young lady was sitting next to me, but I literally <laughs> grabbed her arm and was like, "What is going on here?" And then I stood up and looked at Mark McMillan. I was like, "What is going on here?" Is this, did I just witness that? And so, yeah, that was one of those moments that even the press box got a little a little edgy there. Yeah, let's take a look at the playoff picture now and what the Raiders need. They obviously need help mm-hmm. at 6-8, and eight, one at a time with Pittsburgh here. But they own the tiebreaker with the Patriots. Obviously, the Jaguars have the tiebreaker over the Raiders with yep. the win there. I thought the biggest win of the week was the Chargers. Again, how did they win? I know. I know. Herbin yeah. on that final drive sets up the game-winning field goal. They're 8-6. and six, So the Raiders need... One of those two teams, the Chargers especially, to lose coming up here. And I love this scenario here. Lose two of the final three games. One or both. Right. One or both. So let's assume it's the Dolphins. Okay. I think the Dolphins could lose two out of their three final games. They're not playing well. I think the Patriots are going to lose one of their final three. I know the Jets are going to lose one of their final three. Of course, the Jaguars are not going to run the table. But the key here, Q, is yep. the Raiders got to win all three games. And I think it's doable because of Brock Purdy. And I don't know if Kansas City will have anything to play for right. in that last game. If they have the two seed completely locked up and can't get the one, why would they go out there and risk injury? Right. Well, I'll say this. Wouldn't it be sweet for the Raiders to go on this little bit of a revenge tour? They started yeah. it off with the Patriots. And then up next, you have the Steelers. And, and we know about the immaculate reception, immaculate deception, I should say. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, you got the 49ers. You know that old Battle of the Bay. And then close things out with the Chiefs. Wouldn't it be nice to see them go on a little bit of a revenge tour to close out the season? Well, you win your games, let everything else uh, you know, you, fall where it falls. And you and I, and we've been doing it on the radio. It's one at a time, right? <laughs> yeah, one it's at one a time, at brother. Time, one at a time. It's a Christmas yep. Eve game. Yep. On the 50-year anniversary, almost to the day, of the Immaculate Reception, the guy who donned the name the Immaculate Deception, one of the all-time great Raider legends, George Atkinson, will join us next on Raiders Roundtable. Thanks for 
coming back to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. How about George Atkinson? I'll never forget that. George had a lot to say there because yeah. he's a legend. And right. how about all the big games he played in? Man. And that was the toughest game right. that he ever played in. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's always great when you're able to just kind of be a fly on the wall and listen to the conversations of the greats yeah. and, and talk about games like that. And, uh, man, this game on Saturday is going to obviously have so many emotions going through it. And, and just to hear from all-time great with the Raiders, is, uh, it was, that was a pleasure. Yeah, and the schedule makers knew what they were doing. Oh, absolutely. They, knew they ain't no they dummies. There was someone in that room that said, wait a second. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And all that mm-hmm. as we get rolling. We want to spend some time again on Chandler Jones and what this does for his legacy. It's a short yeah. one so far. He's just got here. But you think that play is going to clean up a lot of the negativity that we saw with him this year? A lot of fans were on him, right. wanted to see. And then he has one of the greatest plays, if not if not the greatest play in Raider history regular season to close out a game. It very well could be, you know, and I think that it really, he started to clean up his, I guess, legacy with the Raiders, I feel like a few weeks ago, yeah. right? When he had that breakout game where he had the three sacks, you could see the relief. But the other thing, JT, is being in the locker room and talking to Coach McDaniels on the regular, and you do that as well, knowing how much he means to the team, regardless of stats. We look at stat lines, we look at sacks, we look yeah. at hurries and pressures, but for every player in that locker room to a T saying, you guys have no idea how much this guy brings to the table, and then they're happy for the success when they have a big play like that, or he makes a big play like that. They say, yeah, of course Chandler Jones made that play. As we look at this, look at the black hole, look at the fans there, look <laughs> what Max did yeah. after Myers threw, threw, threw Jacoby down. <laughs> yeah, and as we go through this play again, I yeah. cannot believe that a Belichick team did that. Right. With Matt Patricia, I'm not saying they have to coach that. It should be mm-hmm. obvious, Q, that you don't have to coach to right. your players. Don't lateral a ball. It'll go down in history because the score was tied. If they mm-hmm. were down one it makes or sense. down three, you're lateraling right. it all day long if you yep. can. But what do you think went through at that point for them to even think of doing that? I have no idea. I'm just assuming that that as playmakers, as as athletes and competitors, you're just trying to finish yeah. it. You're trying to be the hero. But like you said, a Belichick team doesn't look for heroes. Belichick teams are disciplined. They don't extend the ball out of the goal line if they're you know running towards the end zone because they don't want to have a touchback. I mean, they do everything discipline and it just seems like there was a lack of discipline and that wasn't the only play there was a lot of plays in the game where it just felt like it was a very undisciplined team game-winning fumble recovery as time expired dave casper the holy roller Mm -hmm. legendary they changed the rule you can't kick it forward into the end zone one time before that 1960 with new england and then Chandler Jones. So, Q, that's a really short list. That very, on. very. The Raiders are involved in two of them, and the Patriots are involved in two of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about that. That's that's pretty incredible, right? But, yeah, man, that's a heck of a list, a very short list. But, again, man, when Chandler Jones goes up and skies up there and gets that ball, and then I see Mac Jones on the ground, I'm thinking, he's not going to. And then he throws him down. It was unbelievable. I realized that's game. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about the fans here for a second because I was in the post-game lounge ready to do yeah, this in the right. Modelo Cantina Club, and there were fans. I saw the fans walking by, the New England fans, mm-hmm. in shock, right. a, a disbelief. And look at the Raider fans there. Wow. For those who say, who's there, how many fans of the other yeah. team, look at that video of the Raider mm-hmm. fans. You, you can't find an empty seat. You can't find an empty seat down there in the corner. And, hey, I tip my cap to the Patriot fans. Yeah. They bought tickets. Right. They wanted to be there. It's the hottest ticket in the NFL. But for the Raider fans who stayed... And didn't leave. Yeah. And the ones who watched on TV and the sports bars, we love you. And we know that you were behind the team. But the ones who stayed mm-hmm. in their seat for that, 
They saw history. They did, and it's funny. Right after the game, I always go to the locker room. I went onto the field first before oh, I went into the yeah. locker room. Uh, just took some videos of Raider Nation just out there celebrating them having a good time, and even Richie Incognito came onto the field and said, I've never seen anything like that. That's a longtime NFL veteran right now, and he was all uh, pumped up as well in the moment. So, I mean, it's just what that meant for the Raiders and what that meant for Raider Nation at Allegiant Stadium, yes. right? They need to see those because the house we all, of thrills. We know, we know happened, stories yeah. of the Raiders and the way games end when it comes to the silver and black. But again, being in Las Vegas, some of these fans are starting to witness it for the first time. Real quickly, the greatest ending to a regular season all time was the Chargers' victory last year. Right. Because it involved the Steelers, yep. the Chargers, and the Raiders. The Raiders go to the playoffs. You're a season ticket holder. You experienced that. Yep. The Baltimore walk-off win to Lamar Jackson. Yeah. What that meant. There's yep. been a lot of big games at Allegiant Stadium. Now, not all of them went the right way, but if you're a Raiders season mm-hmm. ticket holder, you've seen a lot of good games. And I want to credit Josh McDaniels because he needed to beat Bill Belichick. He's the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. That's the greatest coach of all time. Yeah. You can imagine the pressure. Coach McDaniels plays it very cool yeah. and down low. He praises the opponent mm-hmm. and his team, never him. Congratulations to the coach because you could tell a lot went into that game. And Dave Ziegler, yeah. the GM, coming from that regime. Well, and they've weathered the storm as well, right? I mean, they, they, they stuck to their plan. They didn't waver. They didn't worry about outside noise. They just knew that they were going to continue to chop wood. And that's, I know coach speak, but mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. And you're seeing the results. And more importantly, JT, the players in the locker room are seeing the results. And so that goes a long way in saying, okay, this plan can work. And so that's what I like to see is that success. I was surprised by this stat. I didn't realize he lost to Brian Flores three times. So if you look at his Hmm. record... 14 and 17 all time against his former assistants. Wow. Josh McDaniels gets the, you know, you look at Josh McDaniels getting that win the way it was. That's the game that's going to be the memorable one. It's not a Super Bowl. It's not right. a playoff game, but it was very memorable there. Romeo Cornell, those are good coaches here mm-hmm. on the list. And look, everybody says Belichick's coaches don't go on to greatness. They had greatness in New England. Yeah. They have a bunch of right. Super Bowl rings in their safes, yep. safety deposit boxes there. But I thought that was important for this head coach to have that moment as a building block for the remainder of this year and going into next year. Yeah, and, and the players in the locker rooms also wanted to, to win that game for Josh McDaniels. You know, I know he handed the ball to Chandler Jones right afterwards. We saw that in the locker room. And then we saw Chandler Jones hand the ball right back to him. You know, like, hey, coach, this is for you. And I know guys like Deron Harmon that have been in New England and other guys that have been in New England, really, they felt special about that. Chandler Jones, a former Patriot, making that play against his former team. He felt good about that as well. We got to talk to him in the locker room, so he was pretty excited and pumped up. All right, so with this one game at a time mentality going into Pittsburgh, here's what happens again. The Raiders have to win. I'd like to see the Raiders get to 7-8 and and have a chance to Mm -hmm. get to 500 against the 49ers. Because I believe in that game, the Raiders can win in a shootout, even though the Niners' defense is good. And they need some help. And again, it's going to be the Dolphins losing, but what has to happen along the way is one at a time. And I expect the Jaguars, the Jets have been flawed. The Patriots could be done by now. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I don't know how they're going to react to what happened there. But the Chargers, I think the Chargers are going to get in. The Chargers are feels like it. Feels like the Chargers are going to go. But the Dolphins, I think they're playing their worst football. They are playing their worst football. And could they lose uh, two of the final three? I think so. So there is hope. I think there's realistic hope. And you and I on Raider Nation Radio last year, remember the Raiders winning four right. in a row on yeah. Mitch Basaccia yep. and running the table there and getting in and having an opportunity. It's, it's not something that they can't do. But again, yeah. they have to worry about themselves. There's obviously work that they need. They need help from the outside. And of course, the Jets and Jags will square up in Week 16 on Thursday Night Football to start the week. But it's all about the Raiders. It's all about them handling their business and hoping that uh, someone else gives them a little bit of help. But you got to 
to win games. And they can't have a letdown. No letdown. Come on, that's no. the definition no. of a highly emotional win. Right. They'll never have a win like no. that. So a letdown, yep. uh, that can't happen. The coaches have to do a great job. you got too job. much to play for to have a letdown. And they got to right? clean up the penalty. Absolutely. You can't go into Pittsburgh. We just talked about the immaculate reception right. and what happened there. You right. can't go into a game and have penalties no. in Pittsburgh in no. front of that hostile environment. No, you can't, especially the penalties that the Raiders had. False starts, delay of games. You can't have that. If no, you get delay of games in Pittsburgh, that crowd's just going to get louder and louder and more lathered up and more excited. You've got to be clean. 13 penalties for 90 yards. You can't have that. And you heard Josh McDaniels say, it wasn't the most disciplined game we had, but we won the game. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody. We really appreciate you watching. For Q Myers, George Atkinson, I'm JT. Thanks for watching and listening to Raiders Roundtable. Thanks for listening to the show. Have a great holiday. Get that Christmas shopping in if you need to. Be safe on the roads. For Bobby Machado, my executive producer, who's the best in the business, I'm JT. Merry Christmas, everybody. Raiders!